Why do we put candidates through so many personality tests and assessments before advancing them to a leadership position? What is actually being tested? What are they looking for? What qualifies one as a leader and how can it be seen from my test results and my behavior observed in just a few exercises? The origins of modern leadership assessments go back to the time between the two world wars. I originally learned it was the British military that felt the need to identify the strongest candidate for officer positions. When I made the fact-checking for today's episode, it turned out most of the internet is convinced that was actually the Germans that started it. Well, which country came first is not really important. We adopted the process globally into our business world from the military. Army officers are supposed to make life and death decisions, much more than the leader of, say, a team of accountants in a corporate finance organization. I guess for the army side it makes a lot of sense to know who you give that kind of decision power over people's lives. But why do we put the prospective chief accountant through the same rigor and what exactly are we looking for? Stay with me when I explore the core aspects of leadership and what you can take from that for your career and your daily life. Welcome to Leadership Bits. What's your favorite sport? I personally have tried many things over the years, but the one sport I keep coming back to is road biking. There's a lot of muscle memory after so many years, but from early on, the road bike also felt like home. Swimming, on the other hand, not so much. Every time I wanted to become a better swimmer, perceived progress was almost entirely absent. Yes, after a few weeks I would be able to swim a few more laps, maybe even a little bit faster, but despite reasonable effort. I was getting nowhere even close to where I felt I wanted to be. It is always easier to turn a talent into a strength. Doing the same with your weaker side is much more effort and achieving greatness seems completely out of the picture. Now this is dangerous territory because we like to believe that everyone can do anything. We do not want to close any doors here and we never should. But everyone has a unique set of talents and it is important to know what it is. Even if I wanted to and practiced day and night, I would never be able to swim like Michael Phelps. It's too late for that anyhow, but in my case, there was never really a window to become a great swimmer. Swiss psychologist C.G. Jung, who developed among other things the typology, which is the basis or the foundation for many personal assessments you've been through, said the first half of our lives we identify and develop our God-given talents and the second half we take pleasure in focusing on the less talented sides and eventually bring those to shine. Here's an example. Some of us are organized, detailed and amazingly precise. Others are chaotic, creative and refreshingly unprecise. But who of the two would you really hire as your chief accountant? Ideally, there's a fit between talent and task. You wouldn't take a turtle, which is such a graceful swimmer for a running competition at the beach. Nor would you bet on a dog who competes with dolphins in a swimming race. The turtle can walk and the dog can swim, but it's not their natural habitat. It is hard, if not impossible, to turn our shortcomings into superpowers. Now, with all that said, 
What are we looking for in a leader? What's the spec sheet? The short answer is, it depends. There is no set standard. In principle, we like our leaders to communicate well and know things, build strong relationships and keep it together under stress, give their people room to grow, be in the here and now, but also look up to the horizon, be detailed enough to understand the business, but be holistic and strategic to steer into the right direction, be humble and be a great presenter, be clear, assertive, but also be a great listener. Be calm and have the energy to lead the team out of the storm. Leadership is a multifaceted discipline. Swimming, cycling, running, be an outperforming individual and be a great team player. Pretty steep challenge as it requires strengths that are typically on the opposite side of the spectrum, like controlling versus empowering or operational versus strategic. So maybe leadership can be compared to a triathlon. Triathletes never completely excel at all three disciplines. Every triathlete has a weak one, with weak being of course relative to the playing field they're in. Most serious triathletes are better swimmers than most of us, even when it is their weak discipline. Yet triathletes are competing individually and it's just three disciplines. Leadership might be more something like a decathlon. 100, 400, 1500 meters of running, high jump, long jump, shot put, discus throw, pole vault, javelin, and not to forget the hurdles. Now, do all of this and add football, volleyball, and rugby to it, and we're getting closer to what we're looking for in leaders. Of course, no person has all of it. There is no being on this earth that can swim, fly, and run equally well, is both an individual high performer and humble part of the flock. As a result, Every leader has their own style and their unique mix. They have figured out over time and through mistakes who they are, what they excel at naturally and where they have to compensate for a lack of talent in order to be successful. We teach leaders the basic tools like delegation, communication and listening, but at some point it is all about self-reflection. Only the one who knows thyself can be an effective leader. So how do you go about it? What's a good starting point? Or if you're on the journey, how can I rejuvenate the journey? Number one, let's go back to C.G. Jung. We develop our God-given talent in the first half of our lives. Like a tennis player or a baseball pitcher, there's this one arm that can throw or hit a ball with a racket so much better than anyone else. Life is a race, especially at its beginning, and it would be foolish not to turn that talent into a superpower. Number two, trying to nix out all your weaker spots early on is a waste of energy. Getting just 10% more performance in your less talented areas requires so much more energy than improving 10, 20, 30 or more percent in your preferred discipline. Don't spend too much time preparing a turtle for a marathon. Do enough to keep the balance though. Smart tennis players make extra workouts for their non-dominant side. Number three, know yourself. And that's where the assessments come back into play. When was the last time you made a conscious assessment of who you are, what you have learned and what you're really good at? If it's been some time, here's a proposition for you. The longer we go through life, the more we become casual about who we are. And that's a good thing. That's exactly how it should be. 
I work with corporate leaders and they all have been through many assessments, rounds of feedback and in general have a pretty good awareness of where their turtle legs are and their superpowers. It does not hurt, never, for the beginner, the intermediate and the professional to do a little bit of awareness from time to time. I personally love the thinking, but I enjoy the doing even more. In that spirit, MBTI is the mother of all tests. What is your MBTI or Myers-Briggs? Do you remember your four-letter code? If yes, what does it tell you? On next week's episode, I'll be talking you through MBTI. It can be a starting point, a refresher or a boost. If you want to take along, grab your old results or go to 16personalities.com or to the Myers-Briggs organization and do a fresh one. Will be fun. I hope you enjoyed today's session. We'll be talking a lot more about Turtle X, superpower and development. Consider this the beginning of the journey. Wherever you are, stay safe. <laughs>